Hello, choral singing enthusiasts. Welcome to the premiere episode of the Choral Singing in America podcast. I'm Jerry Blackstone, and I'm artistic director of this documentary series that's in production right now that we call Choral Singing in America, Nurturing the American Soul. I was active as a conductor for many years at the University of Michigan, conducted the chamber choir, conducted the men's glee club, the choral union, led the graduate program in choral conducting, and retired a couple of years ago. And then in, within the last year and a half or so, the opportunity presented itself to be involved as a creative team in making a documentary about choral singing in this great country in which we live. And so I have the members of the creative team here, uh, Brian Gockel, our filmmaker, and Matthew Workman, president of National Concerts in New York City, who is our executive producer. And this podcast uh, is going to be the sort of event that you can listen to on the way to work. Uh, we want to introduce you to aspects of the production of the documentary, the goals of the documentary, meet some of the people who will speak and uh, be featured in the documentary. And I want to start by introducing you to Brian Gockel, our filmmaker. Brian, tell us about yourself and the genesis of this project. Let's start with, I'm from the state of Michigan and in 1992, or maybe even 1990, I fell in love with choral singing in junior high. Uh, I was in a quartet that was selected for the State Honors Choir, and I'll never forget that first rehearsal singing with a room full of other young people, the sound that it produced and the vibrations that it made and the text and the music, and it, it transformed my life in ways I could have never have anticipated. In 1992, I sang at Interlochen with uh, Dr. Jerry Blackstone. Uh, I called him Dr. Blackstone then. He's since allowed me to call him Jerry. And uh, also Matt Workman happened to be at that same uh, summer camp. And so we've all known each other for quite some time. And uh, I went from there to study at the Interlochen Arts Academy for a year and then on to the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music where I studied vocal performance. And then my life took a bit of a turn where I worked for Apple for about eight years. And I got to learn how to, uh, was trained by Apple computer on how to use their professional applications and how to train others in their professional applications, like video editing, audio editing, video production, and things like that. And so I started my own company. I've been making videos, short form uh, biographical videos and advertising videos and all sorts of videos for years and years. And I was always waiting to make my first feature documentary and an opportunity came up in 2017 and I was on Facebook. I've told the story a number of times in other podcasts and I'll quickly tell it here. Uh, in 2017, I saw a picture of uh, Jerry holding up a sign on his Facebook page that it was his last first day of school. I had the idea of let's, is there anyone doing anything for Jerry? He made such an impact in my life over those three years in high school that I, I, I was hoping that someone was doing something. And I was pleased to hear that no one was and that he accepted a bid for me to produce some kind of video about his final year at the University of Michigan. It turned out to be a uh, about an 11 month endeavor where uh, we filmed 63 different people and we traveled all over America as well to Italy. Uh, 
just seeing different milestone moments from his final year and, and really celebrating his career in choral music in general and what it takes to be a, a conductor and a maker of music. In March of 2020, uh, it was just really almost days before the pandemic, uh, I was trying to reach out to Tim Sharp. I was able to have about a 45-minute conversation in which I, I was speaking with him about what are some other things that, that could be or should be produced along the lines of choral singing. And, and Tim had mentioned that it would be an ambitious project, but no one has ever tried to tackle a multi-series, multi-episode film about choral singing in America. And really that moment was the birth of the idea. Uh, because of the film of working with Jerry, we were in conversation frequently and um, I called him up and I said, hey, what, what are your thoughts? Lo and behold, Jerry's schedule was a little bit freed up because of the pandemic. And uh, he says, ah, I'm excited. Let's, let's really think about this. And so, I mean, it seems like every day after that, for weeks and weeks, we were in some kind of communication about this until we got to the point where we are, where we are today, uh, where we now have an advisory panel, we have uh, fundraising in place, we have an executive producer, where Matt's going to speak to you here in just a few moments about his con contributions to this project, but we, we couldn't be more pleased that we're here and now making this film. We're excited, we're um, humbled, and uh, we're, we're ready to um, tell great stories about choral music and choral singing in America. Thank you, Brian. That's, uh, it's exactly what we're here to do, to tell the story of the people who sing in choirs. The documentary, which will probably be four episodes, uh, won't be as much about the music that they sing, but about who sings and who were the icons and how did we get to where we are now and what are all the incredible number of types of choirs in the country. Our friends in Chorus America recently published research uh, that states approximately 59 million people in the United States sing in regularly rehearsing ensembles. First of all, when I read that, I think, how is that possible? And what kind of groups do these people sing in? And why do they sing? And what do they get out of it? And what is our heritage of choral singing in America? Why is choral singing such an underground activity? Why don't more people know about it? And how can we be advocates for this great um, artistic endeavor that we all treasure and enjoy so much when it comes time to rationalize what's important about it? So uh, the three of us took on the challenge uh, we formed a creative partnership, and we began speaking with people about ways to make this uh, project happen. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Workman, what are you doing? What were you doing prior to the pandemic, and what is your background in music and choral singing and this project? Mm. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jerry. I I had started a company a few years ago called National Concerts, as you mentioned, uh, producing just beautiful imaginative uh, 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 collaborative performance uh, opportunities at Carnegie Hall and other major venues. And uh, we were in the middle of our producing our third season. Um, we had our first concert of the season in February and uh, very exciting performance. Um, and after that concert, uh, I had 
flown to an American Choral Directors Association conference. And COVID was something new. Uh, you know, people, it was in the news. It, there were no cases in New York yet, but that's when things in the Northwest uh, were getting uh, pretty serious. And, but there were no known cases in New York, so, but ultimately that conference ended early. And uh, rather than trying to fly back to New York, I remember uh, not wanting to deal with the, 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 you know, the airports and take on that risk. Uh, a dear friend and collaborator, uh, composer Richard Burchard and I rented a car together and we, we left, the conference was in Mobile. So we, uh, we called it a Mobile to Manhattan and we went, we, we went Facebook Live at various times throughout the drive. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, we were close to making a left turn at Cincinnati and just continuing on to the West Coast. But at, it was those, over those two days when uh, things were getting serious in the country and cases were popping up all over. Uh, cities were starting to close down early. And it was getting serious. And uh, the phrases uh, quarantine and, and shelter in place were, were, they would eventually be added to our vocabulary. Anyways, fast forward, um, uh, 2020, the rest of the season was canceled. Um, we made the most of that summer, but uh, then news that Carnegie Hall and other venues would close for the 2021 season uh, was oof, a, a big kick in the gut. Um, but then I joined as executive producer of this docu-series, and suddenly there was a shimmer of hope in my life, a, a ray of, of light, <laughs> and a reason to start wearing pants again. <laughs> um, it, it, it was, but seriously, it was a moment in my life that I felt... Uh, was just so many things were leaning towards that, that uh, it was a, a confirmation that, um, you know, I was on the right path, if you will. Um, I knew that my background in uh, business, my MBA, my experience, uh, of course, starting up national concerts uh, and, and that production experience, I, I would be able to bring a lot and, and uh, help this project quite a bit. Just making things happen, um, managing so many moving parts, um, fundraising, uh, communications, coordinating, and I, I'm just uh, just thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, especially now with uh, having sung my whole life and listening to Brian tell that story about Interlock and Brian, I, I couldn't imagine back then, twenty something years ago, had you told me that you and I would be collaborating on a, on a docu-series. It's, it reinforces my favorite phrase or, or mantra, what, what, if you will. You never know, you never know. So here we are and just thrilled to be a part of this and, and working with, with the two of you and, and our amazing advisory panel. I keep pinching myself as well, Matt. <laughs>
that's really great, Matt. I, I often will say to young singers when I work with them, you need to watch more television. Uh, which is the opposite of what their parents are telling them at home. But uh, doing what we're doing now, uh, none of the three of us would not have, first of all, we wouldn't have put ourselves together necessarily. And second of all, we, we wouldn't have said, okay, our, li- our professional lives are going to end and we are going to have time to do something collaboratively. And uh, as a conductor myself, I would not have thought of, of, working so deeply and seriously on a, on a documentary or a documentary series, I certainly thought about the subject matter deeply for many, many years. Uh, as I listen to you both, I think, you know, we, we all have pandemic stories and it, it's so interesting to hear people tell their pandemic stories, but this documentary is going to, to highlight our choral singing stories in the same, we hope the same sort of compelling way. There is a reason why people love this so much. And so some of the questions that we want to answer in this docu-series are, um, why do they sing and what do they get out of it? And, and I am always struck uh, as I work with young conductors, particularly as I used to and with young singers, when I would say, um, oh, you know, Robert Shaw always did this or Roger Wagner's sound was this sort of thing. And, and people wouldn't necessarily know, especially young conductors wouldn't necessarily know, they would know the name, but they wouldn't really know who those people were, the influence that those people had on, on the, our profession, on, on the sound of choirs uh, today. So that's one of the things that we want to uh, deal with. We want to we want to look back. We want to look at the icons and we want to see all those varied icons in the varied parts of the country. Why did, why does it flourish and uh, where it does and how it does. So these podcasts, uh, podcast episodes will be uh, relatively short, 10 to 15 minutes long. That's the goal. We'll produce them periodically. They'll be short enough. Uh, My goal is that you can listen to it on your way to work. And um, we'll include updates on the production of the docu-series. And we'll introduce you to folks who will be featured in the docu-series. We'll each will have a a noteworthy tip or an encouragement or a challenge at the end. And maybe you take that into your rehearsal that day and you share that with the choir, or maybe you need a little encouragement yourself and, and you take that in. Or, or maybe you just uh, put it up on the board and say, have you thought about that? And then we'll end with a recording of a, of a beautiful choral piece. Probably not a long piece, but a, a piece that in it will play it in, in, in its entirety. And that maybe you play that for the choir. Maybe you just play it for yourself because we all need a little bit of joy as we go into those rehearsals. So as we get to the end of this episode, I've been reading Cameron Labar and John Wyckoff's wonderful interview book on Alice Parker called The Melodic Voice. And Miss Parker says, shortly after the death of her beloved husband, Tom, and she's been invited to do a singing session with a group of folks in a church basement. And she thinks, how am I going to do this? 
And then she thinks, the minute I started singing with these people, I could just feel energy coming up. And I thought, this is where I belong. This is where Tom is. If I'm doing this, we're back together. And then she says, the salvation was in the work. So to you today, my friends, revel in your singing. Even in today's challenging times, the healing is in the work. Please listen to Linda Hassler and the Capital University Chapel Choir as they sing Elaine Hagenberg's very beautiful setting of O oh Love, inspired by words of George Matheson. <laughs> 